0: Good morning, everyone. I'm not sure about you. I thought I probably did enough during a pack of those sweets, but apparently not. Um, I would love if you would turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans. This morning, we're going to be in in Romans chapter 1. We're going to be focusing on verses 16 and 17, but we're going to read from verse 15. And so Romans chapter 1, verses 15, 16, and 17. This is God's word. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also here in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's ask for God, for his help as we come to study his word this morning. Dear Father, we know that you are abundantly able to help us in our weakness. And so as we come to study your word, as we come to look at this passage in Romans chapter 1, we pray that you would help us by your spirit to understand the truths of you more and that we would love Christ more deeply because of it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know if many of you play sport, or maybe you you used to play some sport in school. For me, whenever I was in school, I played rugby. For, For those of you who have been part of some kind of competitive sport, you will know that although your training, although your skills are vital for performing well, one of the most important things that you need to get right before a match is your mindset. I remember our coaches drilling into us over and over again that we had to approach our matches with the correct mindset. We needed to be focused. We couldn't let ourselves be distracted from the task in hand. For me, one of the ways I tried to get myself in the right mindset for a rugby match was we we would be on the team bus and I would put my earphones in and I would crank up the volume until my eardrums were at breaking point. I would get off that bus thinking I was 10 times better at rugby than I actually was. I was ready to go and fight my hardest to win that match. I tried to get myself into the right mindset so that no matter what the opposition was like, I'd be ready to face them. Then contrast that with someone who, who maybe they, they get onto the team bus, they're eating a sausage bab, they get curled up to the window seat to try to take a nap for the duration of the journey. I have to confess that may also have been me at times, but there's no way that person is in the right mindset to perform well, are they? They'll have no focus. They're obviously not up for giving their all to the match ahead, and their performance will surely reflect that. Someone has said, once your mindset changes, everything on the outside will change with it. If we are thinking biblically about it, for example, we see in Colossians chapter three, Paul he wants the church that he 's writing to, to to put sinful behavior to death and to pursue holiness, and he tells them that to do this, they must set their minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. He wants them to have a, a heavenly, eternal mindset and we 're thinking about this because we see it in Scripture. That the Christian life and the activities involved, they never consist of mindless activity, but they require a correct mindset. In the passage that we read in Romans chapter 1, we get an insight into the Apostle Paul's mindset for evangelism, for mission. We're going to focus on verses 16 and 17 this morning. Let me read verse 15 again to you. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also here in Rome. Paul, he's longing to visit this church in Rome that he has yet to meet. And what he's eager to do, what what makes him fidget with excitement and anticipation is the prospect of preaching the gospel there. And verses 16 and 17, will they show us Paul's mindset. They show us why he is eager and how he is able to be eager to preach the gospel. And that's because he is not ashamed of it. You may be sitting here this morning, though, and thinking thinking to yourself, well, why are we thinking about this? Where, Where is he going with this? Well, I would guess that the majority of us, I include myself in this, we hear the words evangelism or mission And our immediate thoughts are either that we haven't done enough of them, or we feel ill-equipped to do them. Maybe you feel like you don't quite have enough knowledge to answer every question that may come at you in a situation where you might be sharing the gospel with someone. Or you're afraid of the possible negative reactions and backlash if you try to share the gospel. As Christians, we know that it's part of our calling to be involved in sharing the gospel with people. But despite our best intentions, we often shy away from opportunities that present themselves, never mind seeking to create those opportunities. And this is why we're going to study this passage this morning. Because this passage, in a way, it confronts us with what Paul would probably call our shame of the gospel. it doesn't confront us with a stern rebuke to go out and just get on with it. Instead, we see Paul's mindset towards gospel proclamation. And in this, we we see that we should not be ashamed of the gospel for three reasons. Firstly, because it is the power of God for salvation. Second, because because it is for everyone. And third, because in it, God's righteousness is revealed. So let's study these two verses together and see what the Bible has to show us about the mission mindset. So verse 16 begins by Paul saying, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. We read this, we initially think to ourselves, don't we? we? Well, Well, of course he's not ashamed. He's the apostle Paul. But in reality, if we were to spend a day in Paul's shoes or sandals, we would soon realize that there would have been a great temptation to be ashamed of the gospel, to shy away from proclaiming it to people. We see in the Bible, for example, 2 Corinthians 11. Paul, he has suffered beatings, anxiety, sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, even being shipwrecked, all for the cause of the gospel. And if Paul had ceased to share the gospel, so much of this suffering would have been avoided. Paul had ample reason to fall into temptation of being ashamed of the gospel and not risk the danger of sharing it with people. That could also certainly be said of many countries around the world today, such as North Korea and India, and many others where Christians are severely persecuted for sharing the gospel. And although the danger is not the same for us here in Northern Ireland, there are still pressures that may tempt us to be ashamed of the gospel. We know that what the Bible teaches is often radically different from what society believes. The reaction that we might get if we were to tell someone that that they are sinful, that they have this deep problem of sin in their lives, that may be enough to cause us to be ashamed of the gospel, wouldn't it? But the truths that Paul highlights next... They are what alleviates this temptation for Paul. Paul, he knows this truth. And they convince him and motivate him in such a way that makes him eager to share the gospel. So surely they ought to do the same for us too. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. And so the first truth that gives Paul confidence in the gospel... Is that it is God's power for salvation? Paul, he knows that the gospel it's more than mere words. He knows that when the gospel is faithfully preached, it does more than just present the hearer with facts about Jesus. What Paul is saying here is that he is not ashamed of the gospel because the divine power of God works through the proclamation of the gospel. He is saying that the gospel, it becomes effectual in people's lives, not by how eloquently he shares it, but because God works in the sharing of the gospel to convince people of the need of their salvation and to give people salvation as a gift. Can you imagine the the crushing pressure that Paul would have been under if it relied solely on his ability to preach the gospel in such a way that he could make such a convincing argument that people would believe it and put their faith in Christ. As Paul was preparing to preach, it would be like he he was in a vice that was getting tighter and tighter as he tried to place one perfect word in front of the other, trying to construct a flawless sermon. That's more than even the apostle Paul could bear. But the truth that we are taught here is that it doesn't ultimately rest on the preacher of the gospel to save people. It ultimately rests on God's saving power to work through his gospel to bring them to salvation. And so this truth inspires confidence in Paul as he seeks to evangelize to people. But how does this apply to us? Well, first, it allows us to, to, to breathe a sigh of relief. I know from my own experience, and I'm sure from yours as well, that we often put ourselves under this incredible stress when we think about sharing the gospel with people. There are those voices in our heads saying, "What, What if I don't know every answer to the questions that they ask? What if I forget that particular verse in that moment? What if I make a blunder and I don't quite get the gospel across as clearly as I could have? We see from this passage that it is not our responsibility to convince people into the kingdom of God. Instead, it's our responsibility to faithfully proclaim and share the gospel and know that God is willing and able to work through it by his power to save people. What a comfort it is to know that it is God's power who saves and not ours. But I think this truth ought to motivate us as well whether it be for evangelism in the community you belong to now or or in a foreign mission field, because we see that Christians, they go out and share a message that is the power of God for salvation. Our gospel is the power of God, and it is able to save people. Knowing this truth, you can have a gospel conversation with someone knowing that God may be pleased to work through that by his spirit to show someone that they are in need of a savior and that savior is Jesus. Part of Paul's mission mindset is that he is confident in the gospel because it is God's power for salvation. And this ought to be part of our mindset too. Secondly then, We see that Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because it is for everyone. Let me read verse 16 again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Who is it that is saved by the power of the gospel? It's the one who believes. The word in the original, it's in present tense. And what that communicates to us then is, is that Paul isn't thinking of someone who just believed that Jesus existed historically, but instead it's someone who, who commits to Christ, who puts their faith in him and keeps on believing. So even from this phrase, we see that the gospel, it's open to everyone and whoever believes in it is saved. But then Paul adds that phrase at the end. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Throughout the book of Romans, a major theme that runs throughout it is that salvation is now both for the Jews and everyone else who believes. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you will know that God, he, he chose the Jewish nation to be his distinctive people. They receive the promise of blessing from God because he had chosen them as his people. However, the trap that the Jews fell into was that they believed it was because of their nationality that they received these blessings. However, the argument that Paul makes through Romans is that these blessings come through faith, not through their privilege of being God's chosen nation. Now, it's hard to know exactly why Paul says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. However, his main point is clear. The gospel is for everyone. Paul, again, he is not ashamed of the gospel. He is confident in the gospel because it's for everyone. For Paul, it doesn't matter who's standing in front of him. He knows that every single person needs to hear this gospel message. Every single person needs to hear that although they are sinful, there is a Savior who can save them from the punishment of their sin. Every person in this room this morning needs to hear that this message, that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead three days later so that we don't need to bear the punishment of hell that we deserve. But instead, he took that punishment so we can spend and live, uh, be, be spared and live in eternal joy with Christ. This gospel message is for everyone. Listen to what John, John Stott says about it. He says, if we are to be committed to world mission, we will have to be liberated from all pride of race, nation, tribe, caste, and class, and acknowledge that God's gospel is for everybody without exception and without distinction. Have you ever been in a room where you walk into this, this room and the group of people are standing there talking? And as soon as this person walks in the conversation, it goes very quiet. It becomes an extremely awkward atmosphere. Those people are saying something exclusive that the person who walked in wasn't allowed to hear. God's gospel is nothing like that. God's gospel is for everyone to hear. No exclusion. In a world where we turn on the news and we hear of awful racial or sectarian prejudice, how exhilarating is it to know that the gospel we have been charged to share transcends all discriminatory barriers. We have a message that is acceptable for all people to hear. This doesn't mean that everyone will want to hear it, but it does mean that everyone needs to hear it. And so like Paul, we create new distinction Our mission mindset is to be willing to share the gospel with all people, regardless of background or ethnicity. We need not be ashamed because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Thirdly then, Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because it is how we receive the righteousness of God. Verse 17 says this, for in it, it's the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This verse, it's really an an explanation of how the gospel saves, and it links with verse 16, and so we could say, the gospel is the power of God for salvation, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, if you were to to dive into some commentaries on Romans, you would immediately discover that there's a lot of debate over what this phrase, the righteousness of God, means here. Some people will say that it means God's righteous character is revealed in the gospel, that he's seen as a righteous God. Some will say that it's God acting in a righteous way in the gospel, in that he rescues us through Christ. And then some people will say that this phrase means that God gives us a righteous status. He gives a righteous status to those who believe in the gospel. Now I think that all, all three of these are involved in this and they can't really be separated from each other. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the third option. So I think Paul's main point here is that he wants to communicate that those who believe the gospel... Are saved by being given a righteous status before God. But what does this mean? Well, the reason that we need to be saved is because we are unrighteous. We have disobeyed the law of God, and therefore we are guilty before God. Because of this disobedience, all people deserve to be punished. And the punishment that we do deserve is hell. That's what the Bible teaches. In God's court of law, we are pronounced guilty, guilty and condemned. This is what the Bible teaches. However, as John Stott says, the good news of the gospel shines forth brightly when it is seen against the dark background of divine judgment. This is where this verse comes in. Because even though we are unrighteous, guilty, through belief in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed to us. We are given, given a righteous status, seen as righteous before God. And this is all because of Christ. See, on the cross, Christ, he took our sin and he has he therefore already endured the punishment for our sin that we deserved. He stepped in as a substitute for us and in his death suffered the punishment that we should have suffered. We are no longer condemned because Christ was condemned for us on the cross. But even more than this, when when Christ takes our sin upon himself, we are then given the righteousness of God. This does not mean that we have become righteous in our behavior, but it means that we are given this this righteous status. We, We can stand before God and he will see us as righteous. This is what Paul will go on to to being called justified by faith, justified by Christ. Because of Christ, we are declared not guilty. And this is how we are saved. Paul says that this righteousness, it's revealed from faith for faith. What this means is that that only through faith in Christ can someone be declared righteous. Only in that sphere. Fear of faith. Then he qualifies it with that Old Testament quotation. It's from Habakkuk 2 verse 4. That confirms that the one, the one who has been made righteous by faith, they will live. They will be saved. And faith in what? Well, faith in Christ. Faith in the gospel of Christ. And this is where this links to our overall point this morning. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because it is only in the gospel that the righteousness of God is revealed. And why does, this, why does this give Paul confidence in his message? Well, it's because it deals with people's greatest need. There are so many joyous blessings that come through faith in Christ, but every person's greatest need is to be justified before God, to be made righteous before him. I have a friend who works for a startup business. I wonder if you can guess who that is. And as they're working, as they're working through trying to develop their product, figure out exactly what they want their product to be, they're asking one question the whole way through. What problem does this solve? The only way they could have confidence in their product would uh, would be if if it solved a problem that people had. And in a similar way, Paul, he is not ashamed of the gospel because it is able to solve the greatest need of mankind, justification before God. And so as part of Paul's mission mindset, he is confident in the gospel because faith in it solves this need. And likewise, we can share in Paul's confidence today. We can share the gospel, whether that is up here from the pulpit or in the passenger, sh- passenger seat of a car, knowing that no matter what backlash we may receive, the person you're talking to, they have a, a deep need. And the gospel message you have to share is the one that meets that need perfectly. We have seen that Paul's mission mindset is one of unashamedness. He was not ashamed of the gospel message, and this meant that he was eager to proclaim it. And as we close, let this passage challenge you this morning. We have learned from this passage that we can have a true confidence in the gospel of Christ. But this confidence is wasted if it only remains knowledge. The Bible, it calls us to share the gospel with people. Now, the guest, through through studying this passage, there may be someone on your mind who you know needs to hear this gospel. Hear the call of this passage to not be ashamed of the gospel, and to boldly take that step to come alongside someone and to share the gospel with them. Invite them out for a coffee, have them over for dinner, and approach it with that mindset that you need not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation that it is for everyone, and that in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Amen. Let me pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this passage, in that it encourages us to take your perfect gospel message and to proclaim it to the people who we know need it so dearly. We pray that you would give us boldness and that you would give us the same mission mindset as Paul so we need not be ashamed of the gospel for there is deep power in it. We pray that you would help us with this task. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.